Hello, everyone. In this Conversations on Grung episode, we're talking with Arasi Enokyan about the power grab by the ruling party in various cities in Armenia, where opposition mayors had been elected back in 2021. Hello and welcome, Arasi. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Welcome. Well, where do we start? Let's start with Alaverdi in Lori province. Back in 2021, Abrelu Yergir party was able to garner enough votes in the elections to install Arkady Tamazian as the mayor of the region, which includes Alaverdi and a dozen or so townships. In order to succeed, though, Abrelu Yergir struck an alliance with Levonder Bedrosian's Armenian National Congress, the ANC, to gain a one-seat majority in the city council. And this was considered a serious setback for Pashinyan and his civil contract party. Back in July of this year, one Abrelu Yergir councilman, Simon Zaharov, defected to civil contract and caused the loss of quorum in the city council. Long story short, Pashinyan's party was able to use this defection to replace Tamazian with civil contracts David Rumashian. In Armenia's third largest city, Vanatsor, Mamigo Naslanian was jailed on charges of corruption after being elected mayor and defeating civil contract in 2021. Two years later, he's still in jail, replaced by a civil contract member whom Pashinyan was empowered to appoint through a parliamentary bill in April 2022. Well, i there have been other instances around the country since 2021, including in Goris, Meghri, Ahurian, Agarak, where post-election results have apparently been co-opted towards the ruling party control. In October, for instance, 2021, there were municipal elections in Gyumri, in a humongous surprise, the Balasanyan alliance, which got first place but not majority, decided to enter a power-sharing deal not with the Republican Party, who also won seats, not with Zartong, or nor Aprelu Yerkir. Almost all of these can be seen as oppositional parties. Instead, Balasanyan went into a direct power-sharing deal with civil contract again. And, you know, it's, it's funny because during the campaign, it was a very tough and heated campaign, and they were campaigning against civil contract. So now, what's new about this is uh, two years later, civil contract announced that they will be annulling that power sharing deal. Yet they're now saying what will happen afterwards. It remains to be seen uh, whether the results of this action will be what will it will result into. But many speculate that civil contract will continue to use pressure uh, to trigger a vote of no confidence eventually. Agassi, I, I want to ask a simple question. Uh, maybe it's not that simple, but what the heck is going on in all these municipal elections? Can all these be just sort of weird circumstance? Well, uh, you know, every power has a very uh, important feature. Every power wants more power. It's always in the world. And the, in some other cases, some other countries, they just the opportunity or the uh, aim to get more power was limited by two things. One is constitution, the other is opposition. So in Armenia, both of these cases are not working. Uh, constitution was, uh, I don't know, something like a piece of paper that could be changed or even if it's not changed, nobody is taking uh, serious attention to this uh, document. And opposition is extremely weak in Armenia, extremely. They cannot do anything even with the more important things. I mean, uh, like the issues with Azerbaijan, issues with war, issues with corruption in, in the country, and 
they don't pay, pay enough attention to the uh, local elections. If you remember, they even let into the, in the jail uh, some leaders of the uh, municipalities. They they don't even uh, taking into account their being in the jail. Well, when uh, the last time I was in Armenia, I speak with the opposition uh, leaders and ask them. Uh, well, do you? They they were talking about the prisoners, uh, uh, about the political prisoners, and I said. Well, do you have a count? How many political prisoners do we have there? They said no. They, they even they don't know how many political prisoners are in the jail. And of course, they cannot advocate for all of them. Well, like the Republican Party is uh, talking mainly about, for example, Armen Ashutian, who is in the jail, and they are advocating for him uh, very well. The other, the Kocharian's uh, union was talking about the uh, Levon Kocharian and they helped them, him to bring back to, to free from the jail. Mm -hmm. But all the situation with the political prisoners is really very, very devastating. Also, tell us why, for instance, uh, what power is conferred through, you know, Assad through municipal election? And why is the ruling party so adamant in ensuring full control, not a single sort of town will remain uh, unconquered, and why the opposition is not considering it as important. Well, uh, let's just think: uh, what does uh, municipalities uh, mean in the in the politics? Um, I think it's two things. First of all, they are very important resource for the elections, for the national elections, because they have good relations with their. People there, they, they can direct them, they can make pressure on them. This is one thing. And second, of course, it's money. They are controlling a municipal, uh, municipal budgets. So why uh, opposition? Yeah, and, and why would the, the opposition care that much about municipal elections? Because you said that they don't consider it important enough to... Uh, yeah. And we uh, saw, because... obviously, we saw also like the Iran, like not... You know, for instance, the ARF didn't uh, run in uh, all the municipalities. It only ran in some... I guess, where they thought they would have an easy victory. But if, if it's so important, why isn't the, uh, the opposition going after these uh, with that much force? I think, again, I, I would say there are two things. First of all, it is lack of resources. They cannot uh, they cannot take care about the municipalities. They are mainly concentrated on the national things. And the secondly, unfortunately, even now I don't see that they have their agenda. They have their agenda, even for the national issues. Well, they are very good for blaming uh, Nikol Pashinyan. But what they should do, they even did, didn't... Uh, I'm sorry to go back to the national things, but they even uh, didn't say that what they will do if they will be in the power. Like, they are not against this uh, so-called peace deal. They don't declare what should be changing. Uh, did you see if did uh, they uh, like prepare their own vision of the peace deal? Of course no. not. Yeah. Did you see if they are prepared their own vision of the relations with the Azerbaijan? Of course not. They just said that, well, if Nikol will not be there, the things will go better. Okay, but what do you mean better? So I think these two things, first of all, lack of resources, second, lack of agenda. Okay, so I want to bring up another potential issue and maybe an explanation. While the civil contract party officially denies it, there are persistent rumors that Pashinyan is planning to trigger early elections in Armenia. 
that sounds very um, weird to me, but uh, some analysts point to the intensity of civil contract meetings around the country as one piece of evidence for the preparation of elections. They're basically very aggressively restarting their regional uh, offices. They're having meetings with their supporters. And this is the reason that some say that Pashinyan is also trying to take absolute control over local municipalities, which, as you said, gives an extra advantage to the ruling power during elections. So my question is, is Pashinyan preparing for early snap elections, in your opinion? I think that it is not, uh, it could be considered. It could be considered that Pashinyan is uh, thinking about the new elections. Well, uh, first of all, after his so-called peace deal, he needs to legitimize this peace deal. And the, the best way of legitimization is new elections when he will be re-elected. Secondly, even if we saw in the case of Yerevan elections, he doesn't have big majority. He won't just with the 9%, but still he has majority. Still he has majority. And while he has majority and while he didn't uh, lose it, while other opposition forces didn't strengthen enough, to compete with him, I think he will think about the new elections. And we learned over the last week that Aliyev is also pushing for snap elections in February 2024, which is a year and a half ahead of schedule. What do you think about this trend? Some speculate that Aliyev may be doing this, uh, and if he is doing it, then a peace deal will not be signed until uh, essentially Aliyev uh, reestablishes his legitimacy and then, you know, he will go for signing of the of a so-called peace deal, which will be uh, another capitulation treaty with Armenia. So, but, but do you think this is what both sides are going for? You know, what else can you tell us about, like, you know, about Azerbaijan or Aliyev's calculations? I think there, there is also another opinion that uh, Aliyev also you know, wanted to fasten to trigger the peace deal before his election. So again, the same, maybe he is uh, also want to legitimize this peace deal by his elections. Because, you know, I see that there are really very dangerous for Azerbaijan, very dangerous political developments around Baku, around the Aliyev power. So he wants to make uh, sure that he can, uh, well, not only make sure, but to show to the foreign countries, to the first of all, United States and Europe, that he is a real uh, representative of his country. And to press him, it will be difficult because they need to press the whole Azeri people. Asi, over the past five years, the ruling party has replaced all but a handful of the 350 plus judges in the country. They've replaced the judges on the constitutional court, and they have taken complete control of the Supreme Judicial Council. Uh, earlier, as you mentioned, there are also many political prisoners. We don't even have the real count in the country. And these people, their cases are languishing in the court system because primarily they're very heavily partisan and manipulated systems. So while Tamazian and Abrelu Yergir are saying that they plan to appeal the Alaverdi City Council decisions, is there any expectation that they can win in court when the Armenian judicial system is completely subservient to civil contract? Well, actually, if you remember, the uh, court system was the last uh, thing that they could take over. The yeah. civil contract to, to take. So, the bastion. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really uh, strong. They, that, were, that were strong enough. 
And even now, there could be some uh, judges that are thinking about justice, not about their position, not about accepting the will of the of Nikol Pashinyan. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is the thing that they are thinking about. I don't know. So, but, uh, what else can they do? What else yeah, can they do? that's what the question. Think? What options are available to the opposition in Armenia for a fair outcome in in this what I call a failing democracy at this point? Yeah, they, they, well, they they couldn't apply to the to the opposition forces, right? So right. the only thing is that the, they should go to the court, and maybe this could solve their problem. All right. Hovig, I know that Arasi has a new book out, and you have it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, Arasi, when you were visiting Armenia recently, and we recorded a previous podcast, we forgot, I believe, to cover this in enough detail, maybe if at all. But you recently published a book. It's called uh, Alternative Patmutsun Hayots, or An Alternative Armenian History. It's on my desk, and I've read, leafed through it, and I've read some chapters. Uh, very interesting, especially the chapter on Sasna Tsarer incident. But I wanted to give you like a few sentences to describe the book yourself. You know, what made you write it, and you know, what is it about for the uninformed reader? If you can describe it to them. Oh, thank you, thank you for uh, mentioning when uh, probably advertising my book here on this podcast. <laughs> Well, it's called Alternative History, History of Armenia, and the idea is the following. Well, we often complain that we have problems in the past. That's why uh, our situation is not very good. So here I presented some alternative views, some, how to say, some virtual view that, well, let's say there are some problems were solved. For example, we say that uh, the problem uh, with Armenian, with, with the situation, current situation in Armenia is that we didn't have good uh, practice of the statehood. That's why we are in this bad situation. So, well, and one of these chapters, one of these novels is about the case, like, if we have a statehood in the Western Armenia, what will be the developments in the Eastern Armenia after the breakup of the Soviet Union? The other is that we often said that our problem is that we don't have leaders, we don't have heroes. So the other novel is about, well, let's say the most important, the well-known Armenian leaders will back, uh, will come back to Armenia. Will it change the situation or not? So this kind of you know alternative or even, I would say, experimental view on the history. The book is just there, I guess, six or seven novels there. And each is this kind of uh, describing this kind of situation. All right, great. We will include a link to the book online in our show notes. Please check that out. And I know that RSC is taking a number of these books to the Armenian bookstores in the Los Angeles area very soon. Yeah, like maybe in one way, in a month. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you, Arasi, for joining us today. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shnurak Allison. Okay, that's our show today. The episode was recorded on December 13, 2023. Our guest today was Agassi Anokian, who is the former director of Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, Azadutun office in Yerevan. He is a research fellow at Columbia University in post-Soviet studies and a former lecturer at Yerevan State University. He has studied political theories at the University of Chicago and public policy at Arizona State University. He also has earned an MBA from the American University of Armenia. 
I'm Aspet Bedrosian. And this is Hovik Manucharyan. Please find us on social media and follow us everywhere you get your Armenian news. The links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.